Hi everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. GDPR took effect on Friday and it seems companies are taking various different approaches to it. It's very interesting because it pretty much affects every large organization in the world. It has even been a challenge for me personally. I have a sign up on my website for a newsletter. I only send a couple of newsletters a year, but even so, I'm trying to figure out a good way to ensure I am compliant with my web developer friend from Rebro helping me out. I can only imagine how difficult it is for large organizations with a global presence. Interestingly, some news sites such as USA Today in the States have now geo-blocked visitors from Europe altogether. I guess it's been such a headache for them to try and figure out that they're just erring on the side of caution by blocking them for now while they figure out how best to approach it. Either that, or they just don't want to change their data gathering policies right now and don't see enough value in European visitors if they're not able to collect that data. Who really knows? Meanwhile, Microsoft have stated they will be expanding rights to consumers worldwide. In quotes provided, they make it seem like they dig the idea of protecting consumer data the way GDPR sets out. But I'd bet they see it as both good PR and a way to flatten and simplify their data storage, retention, and use across all services. Whatever the reason, I applaud Microsoft for doing it. It's something which will benefit all of us in the end. GDPR, although presenting challenges to many, does seem to have far-reaching positive influence. Way to go to the EU for this one. I don't always praise them or think they do the best of jobs, but not all regulation is a bad thing. And right now with the instability in the world, I'm happy they're there. In a rather timely case, the University of Greenwich has been fined 120,000 pounds sterling, which is roughly $160,000 by the information commissioner. This came about as the personal data of 19,500 students was placed online. The data included names, addresses, date of births, phone numbers, signatures, and in some cases even more worrying, their physical and mental health problems. It was uploaded onto a site used for a training conference in 2004, which was then not secured or closed down. The fine could be reduced to 96,000 sterling for a quick payment discount. It was the first university to receive a fine under the Data Protection Act of 1998. A reminder, again, that not all regulations are evil government overreach. Some do exist for the benefit and protection of us. The site was set up by a department in the university, and the university itself wasn't aware, so it's not really fair to paint this particular university in a bad light. It does bring into question oversight of the different departments within any university, however. I guess giving so much creative power can leave the universities as a whole open to these kinds of issues. In other news, hackers possibly working for an advanced nation have infected more than half a million home and small office routers around the world with malware that can be used to collect communications, launch attacks on others, and permanently destroy the devices with a single command according to researchers at Cisco. Named VPN Filter, it's a modular multi-stage malware that works on consumer-grade routers made by Linksys, Microtik, Netgear, TP-Link, and on network storage devices from QNAP and possibly others. According to Ars Technica, it's one of the few pieces of IoT malware that can survive a reboot. Infections in at least 54 countries have been slowly building since at least 2016, and Cisco researchers have been monitoring them for several months. 
The attacks drastically ramped up during the past three weeks, including two major assaults on devices located in the Ukraine. There is a quote, In most cases, this action is unrecoverable by most victims, requiring technical capabilities, know-how, are tools that no consumer should be expected to have, according to Cisco's report. And they continued, We are deeply concerned about this capability, and it is one of the driving reasons we've been quietly researching this threat over the past few months. Even though Ars Technica have stated it's one of the few pieces of IoT malware that could survive a reboot, the FBI are currently recommending that all small and medium-sized businesses restart their routers as this can disrupt the malware. In other news, Google announced they plan to drop the secure indicator from the Chrome URL address bar and only show a lock icon when the user is navigating to an HTTPS secured website. This change will take effect with Chrome 69. <laughs> Scheduled for September this year. More great work from Google in embracing a secure internet for all. At Octane 2018, which let's be honest, might be the coolest conference name in existence, Okta and VMware announced a new partnership. Okta, of course, have a pretty simplified approach to application management with a nice single sign-on web-based UI for presenting your users' apps all available with less clicks and back and forth with some other widely used solutions. I first worked with Okta about five years ago and it seems they have grown and grown and with this partnership they could grow much larger. When I used it with the old school Zen app it seemed just like an old two-factor authentication solution to me but with this partnership they are suggesting interoperability between Okta and VMware's Workspace ONE which I bet makes a lot of sense to continue to ensure seamless type of workflows discussed on last week's episode of this podcast where I covered some of the other VMware Workspace ONE news. I'm happy with this partnership as it improves the VMware EUC offering a bit more and by pushing the product forward and innovation forward all of us customers stand to benefit. So congrats to both companies. Speaking of vendor interoperability, Segway. I noticed this week that Cisco posted their first Cisco validated design with Cisco Hyperflex all-flash systems running virtual desktop infrastructure or VDI on Intel Xeon scalable family processor-based fifth-generation Cisco UCS Hyperflex systems. This document provides architectural references and design guides for up to 450 user mix workloads on a four-node Cisco Hyperflex system. The solution boots 450 virtual desktops or 36 ZenApp virtual server machines in five minutes or less. Also, the solution is fully capable of supporting hardware accelerated graphics workloads. To find out more about that, check out the links for this episode on 5bytespodcast.com or on the YouTube description. Microsoft Store update for Windows 10 with departments appears to be rolling out to production. And now for this episode's hot job. This episode's hot job is with the VMware vSphere team as part of their technical marketing group. It's been stated they're expanding to Europe and looking for one person to join their talented team. The job posting itself does contain a location. However, on Twitter it was suggested that this position is home office based anywhere in Europe. The successful candidate must have relevant and current experience with vSphere, vCenter server, vCenter server appliance, and vSphere SSO domains. 
They must also have five plus years of experience in technology related areas, including enterprise systems management and infrastructure architecture experience with significant depth around designing, implementing and managing critical business. Also five plus years of experience in pre-sales, professional services, or other customer or, other, or partner facing roles with great communication and presentation skills. The candidate must also be comfortable with up to 75% of travel when required and be able to travel globally. And now for this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. This week is a great tip on how to use PowerShell to create a 7-zip application. So recently, there was news about a 7-zip vulnerability which was unmasked. 7-zip is something that is pretty widely used in the enterprise because frankly, it works with almost any file type. I know personally I've used it as a package delivery and even an installation tool for some VPN software being accessed outside of an organization. So it's very important that you update your 7-zip application. And with these tips, you can very easily do that and automate it. So check out kdojarvmets.com. And again, as always, I'll provide a link for that with this episode. Thank you so much for listening.